So the reason I chose William Peace was because of their stellar game design program. It's very rare to find a game design program in the United States at all, let alone North Carolina. And this place seemed like the right place for me for where I wanted to go and the connections I could make uh, within the program. Turn your hobby into a career in one of the highest paid professions in the country with William Peace University's Simulation and Game Design Program. Master design, 3D modeling, and programming in a state-of-the-art space with the latest and most remarkable technologies available. Find out more at peace.edu. Connor trying to speed his way into the hurricane zone. Still hanging out in the puck. It's loose ramp chance out in front. Connor, the score. Pierre-Luc Dubois feeds Kyle Connor. As we still had four on four hockey left. The Jets jump on the board first. One nothing. The Jets keep it in. Shot ricochets off the boards by DeMello. Now a second chance and the score. Sharp angle shot. Pierre-Luc Dubois finds an opening. It's a 2-0 Jets lead as they score with 65 seconds left in the first. Lowry has it, 2-on-1 for the Jets. Set across, Bronto with the save! As he gets across and robs Barron. It's a massive save from Monte Ronto. Aho looking to get it across for D'Angelo. D'Angelo to Aho. Teravainen. 30 seconds left here in the period. Teravainen shoots the score! A power play goal! the Canes Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. The Canes Corner Podcast is part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Adam Gold. Welcome to the Canes Corner Podcast. I'm Adam Gold and the Hurricanes got what they deserve tonight. That's a good thing. In spite of maybe what everybody thought was going to happen through, we'll just say, 38 minutes. Even though Carolina was pretty good through 38 minutes. But it was uh, one of those games that reminds us that sometimes hockey isn't fair. It was fair tonight. Uh, A lot of things to do. Michael Smith's going to jump on for a couple minutes in just a few. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. No place like it. Sammy Hannon and his crew do a great job. If you want to make your home more beautiful on the outside, more energy efficient on the inside, aluminumcompany.com. So 
a lot of good tonight because the Hurricanes really did play a very good game pretty much start to finish. I thought Winnipeg's best moments were in the first period, but even that I thought was no worse than even. I actually think Carolina was a better team in the first, trailed 2-0. Um, we have to get through a little bit of a... We'll talk about a rough patch in the first uh, and what I think the problem is in a second. Um, and then the Jets probably were had a little extra jump at the beginning of the second period, but I don't think that last two lasted too long. I think the Jets had a flurry early. Ronta made some good saves early in the second. And then the ice just tilted. To me, the ice just tilted in front of the Winnipeg Jets. Eric Comrie was awesome until the ice broke. And then he was just very good. I mean, Carolina probably deserved to score more than the four they got. And, of course, the last one was an empty net goal. Uh, And I know people are tired of... Derek Comrie's, Alex Nadelkovich's of the world standing on their heads, but Comrie was outstanding for uh, for the first 38 or so minutes, and then uh, he was just f- fine. And eventually the puck starts going in, and that's what Carolina needs to see. Um, and they need to see it from certain guys, maybe more than others, but they showed you the full depth tonight. Carolina was really good pretty much throughout the lineup, and mitigated their mistakes by playing really well uh, when they had to in their own end. Uh, and I think you can st- you can see guys coming out on the other side. I thought Tavo Teravina played his best game in a long time. He did have two points, but that doesn't mean you're not going to make uh, a bunch of mistakes. And I didn't think Tavo had a good start to the game. Uh, but I think he kind of, when the Hurricanes got down 2 nothing. I kind of think you started to see Tavo Teravainen's games snap back. Uh, and I thought they really played well throughout on the back end. I think it's one of Brendan Smith's best games in a while. But Smith made some really good defensive plays and then had the heavy shot that led to the Seth Jarvis, uh, you know, goal mouth scrum. That kid, that kid has a pair of ooh, pucks. He has a pair of pucks, man. Uh, because that guy stayed in front of the net under physical duress, fought his way to the game-winning goal. I mean, 15th goal in the season. He's ahead of Martin Natchez uh, in spite of playing fewer games by 10 than Martin Natchez. I thought Natchez played a good game, though, tonight. Uh, I give, give Marty credit. There was a lot more to Marty's game uh, than just the one assist. He, I thought he played a good game, and if get if the Hurricanes can get Teravainen playing better again, and Natchez playing better again, and Trocek being consistently good again, I mean, I thought Trocek was one of their better players in Arizona, uh, but that hasn't been there all the time over the last couple of weeks. So if they can get their best players, Chuck Caton liked to say, you get your singers and dancers to do what they're supposed to do, uh, man, all things will look and feel a lot better tonight. I thought Andrei Svechnikov was the best player on the ice tonight. I thought, especially after getting down two goals, it almost seemed, and I thought Aho was also really good, but I thought Svechnikov physically tried to take the game over. Jacob Slavin gets the goal that makes it 2-2. He should hand the goal to Andre. That was an entirely 
Andrei Svechnikov created endeavor. From the entry to the net drive to the retrieval to the making two Winnipeg Jet defenders look silly to getting the puck, getting the shot from the, from you know, really the, the deep slot. Not the high slot. It was kind of in the middle, but getting the puck through. It didn't get all the way through to Comrie, I don't believe. And it bounced to Slavin on the side. And look, he has to make a good play to put it in on a sharp angle on his left side, on his natural side. So there's there's less, you know, you have almost have less goal to shoot at. But he was in tight enough where he was able to do it. Nature's on the back door just in case. Uh, it's just a really good play. And it really was all created by Andre. And I don't think we can lose sight of that. It was Slavin's goal, but it was Andre's play. And for me, that was indicative of the way Andre played for the most part all night long. Uh, so I gave him my first star. I gave Slavin my second star. Uh, and I gave Jarvis my third star. Look, I understand why he's the first star in the building. Winnipeg kid, game-winning goal, all that. Um, but three best players on the ice for me tonight were Andre, one, Slavin, who I thought was brilliant tonight, two, and Seth Jarvis, three. But I thought, again, so you, I think you saw Tavo Teravina start playing a better game, better brand of hockey for him. Uh, Nature's played well. The Stahl, Niederreiter, Foss line did their thing again. They just seemed to always do it. Um, and I think you saw them getting uh, really leaning on Winnipeg in the third period. I thought Shea and Pesci were good. I mentioned Brendan Smith. Although he and Ian Cole played a good game tonight. And my own feeling is that when we get to the playoffs, and we'll talk to Michael Smith about this, when we get to the playoffs, I think you're going to see Smith and Cole as the third pair, even though you're vulnerable in terms of a skating situation. If you had to split them up, you can always play Cole uh, with Slavin and D'Angelo with uh, with Brendan Smith. They're familiar with each other from their days with the Rangers. Uh, but you could always do that to get a better skater on the back end. Uh, another guy I think, I think you saw coming out on the other side of whatever has been plaguing his his game of late was Tony D'Angelo. There were some mistakes. There's no question about that. Uh, but for the most part, I thought D'Angelo was really good. And if he can get back to playing the hockey he was playing, maybe the first 55, 60 games, uh, then Carolina should be in good shape come the playoffs. And then we only have to get down to the one issue that I do believe has cropped up the last several weeks. And maybe not, I'm just going to say several weeks. That could be four, it could be six, it could be three. I have to really go back and study each game. Um, they've lost the goaltending. They've lost the goaltending battle is what I'm getting at. And now with Freddie Anderson's injury, they don't really have the luxury of, oh, well, we'll just play Ranta. Oh, well, okay, back to Freddie. Because right now it's just Auntie Ranta. Monday of next week, we'll find out just how long Freddie is going to be on the shelf. Here's the way I think you should look at it. Here's the way I'm looking at it. I don't think you're going to have Freddie for round one, which means that if Carolina is fortunate enough to have a round two, if they can get Freddie back, he will have not played for about a month. Now, maybe that does Freddie a world of good. I don't know. Do they have enough to get them past the opening round of the playoffs? Right now, the matchup would be Boston. Is Ante Ranta good enough to do that? 
is Antti Ranta durable, durable enough to play three more times in the regular season? Because I think he'll play three of the remaining. Well, no, two more times. I think he'll play two of the remaining four. Only four games left for the Hurricanes. And is he durable enough to play all, let's just say, seven games of the opening round? Is that going to happen? Or are you going to need a contribution from the rookie we haven't even seen play yet? Peter Kachatkov or Kochatkov, whatever, however you pronounce his name. They're going to have to rely on him, is my guess, at some point. Because Ranta might not be durable enough to carry you through. And now let me get to tonight. I actually thought that there was a time after the second goal that, you know what? I wonder if Rod would consider pulling Ranta, maybe not in the intermission, but if Winnipeg gets another, would you consider pulling Ranta at that point to one, give him a little blow. He's going to be your goalie the, the next week and into the first couple of weeks in May. And just let the kid get his feet wet because you know a start is coming. And I'm my prediction is the start will be Saturday in New Jersey. Here's why. Game tonight, although Ronta was not overly taxed, game tonight, 12.30 start, Saturday in New Jersey. Light practice tomorrow and travel, or maybe just travel tomorrow. But an early start in New Jersey. If you give Ronta the second game of the back-to-back, Sunday in uh, on Long Island, then you give him a full extra day and you let the kid play against the Devils, who are, uh, I'm not saying an easier team to play against because the Devils have a lot of speed and skill. I think the Devils have a chance to be good uh, next year. And then maybe the more physical team, the Islanders, you leave for the veteran. You leave for Ronta on Sunday. Now, if the Hurricanes want to win the division, they're going to have to win, probably, probably going to have to win three of the remaining four games. And if you're the Hurricanes, one of those three probably needs to be the Ranger game Tuesday night. That's going to be Ante Ronta's game. No question about it. So if you think about playing uh, the kid Saturday, then Ronta Sunday afternoon, then you get until Tuesday night, a little bit more than a normal two, you know, day off in between, a little bit normal than, uh, you know, better than a two-game, two-day rest, like, a two, like two and a half, two and a quarter days rest. So Ronta, the kid on Saturday in New Jersey, Ronta Sunday afternoon on Long Island. Ronta Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden against the Rangers. And then we're talking about uh, maybe the kid playing against the Devils uh, in the final game of the regular season, assuming the Hurricanes don't have to win that game to win the Metropolitan Division. Maybe at that point, it'll be decided one way or the other. I really don't know. Uh, but the uh, the Hurricanes do have the first tiebreaker as of right now with the Rangers, and that is regulation wins. They they have that. They also have regulation and overtime wins. What they don't have is total wins. And that's the third tiebreak. But it shouldn't come down to the third tiebreak if these two teams are tied. It shouldn't come down to the third tiebreak. It should be settled in the first two. Carolina has a pretty good chance uh, with those uh, with those first two. Um. So that's what 
But my concern has been over the last several weeks, the Hurricanes have lost the goaltending battle, and it's not always because the other guy stands on his head. I thought Antti Ranta's first two goals were preventable. I thought the first goal, I don't understand why he was still well out of his crease by the time the puck came around in front to Kyle Connor. I mean, I'm not saying he should have been standing there waiting, but, I mean, he wasn't even close. I was surprised he didn't get back uh, to at least challenge it. And he was way too deep in his crease because if he's on top of his crease in that situation, the puck probably hits him. The puck probably hits him if he's on top of his crease. Um, so I thought both goals in the first period for Winnipeg were with better goaltending. And I'm not talking about standing on your head. I'm just talking about better goaltending. I think it's scoreless after one, which would have been a just result based on how the game played out. I mean, Carolina was, I mean, there were no worse than even for my money in the first period. Yeah, Winnipeg had some chances, and Ronta made some good saves. But he allowed two goals in the first. And Comrie at the other end was standing on his head. And then when the Teravainen goal went through, that was, we'll just call it the laxative. Teravainen, the laxative that the Hurricanes needed just to kind of open things up. If you will. If you will. Uh, let's call Turbo the brand muffin. That was the brand muffin goal. And then from then, then on, the Hurricanes, I think, just kind of breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief, got one through, and then it became a matter of time. That's all. The Svechnikov play with that led to the Slavin goal was probably the third or fourth really good chance Carolina had in the period. That goal came relatively early. Uh, then you had uh, the Jarvis goal that came a little bit more than midway through uh, that put him ahead. That was just a good, hardworking goal and a great shot by Brendan Smith uh, to get it up high to high and kind of in tight. So it wasn't something that uh, that Comrie could glove. He had to fight it off. Uh, and then Jarvis wins the net front battle. Was it with Josh Morrissey? I mean, it was, certainly was not with somebody who's uh, the same size as Jarvis. That kid, he's got pucks, man. Vulcanized pucks. There is no question about that. And uh, and then you just were better. Ronta had to make some good saves, but Carolina made a lot of good defensive plays in the zone to prevent scoring chances from becoming grade A scoring chances. Uh, and then Jordan Stahl does what Jordan Stahl does. Scores big goals. I kid. Empty net goal, but... Uh, smart play, gets it across the red line. If you miss the nets, not icing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and I do think it's worth noting that at end-of-game situations, Rod loves to have Niederreiter, Faust, and Stahl on the ice. And I will just say this uh, because I think it bears repeating over and over and over and over and over again. In years past, Nino Niederreiter would not have been a choice in those situations for Rod Brindamore. He wouldn't have. But this Nino Niederreiter has attention to detail, hard on pucks, great on the wall, and has made a commitment to defending. And it's a game changer when Nino Niederreiter's doing that. 
It's for him, for the team. Because in years past, Nino would cheat for the free goal, right? We've seen it before. He would cheat for the free goal, and then that puck would somehow end up behind your goalie. And it's kind of one thing leads to the other. But Nino Niederreiter from word go this year has committed to defending in his own end. So good for him. Tavo Teravina with a goal and an assist. Jacob Slavin, um, Seth Jarvis, Jordan Stahl with the empty net goal. Those were the goal scorers. Uh, we had points on the blue line, four points in the blue line tonight. Carolina had four goals. Uh, there was defenseman contribution on all four. You had Tony D'Angelo assisted on the Teravine and power play goal. Uh, you had um, Slavin score the second goal, the one that tied it up. You had Brendan Smith fire the shot that Seth Jarvis deposited for the rebound to make it 3-2. Uh, and Brady Shea had the empty net apple. So good for him. Uh, he won a board battle to get the puck out. Shea, right? It was Shea that won the board battle that got the puck out. And then Jesper Faust and Jordan Stahl played patty cake with, uh, with the puck until Jordan Stahl crossed the red line and then said, I got it. So there you go. 17 goals on the season for Jordan Stahl. He could, <laughs> uh, Hurricanes only have four games left, so I don't expect it. But I guess Jordan Stahl could end up being the sixth 20-goal scorer, right? Uh, in Arizona, Vincent Trocek became a 20-goal scorer. Tonight, Tevo Teravainen became a 20-goal scorer. Stahl's got 17. Uh, you've got Nino with, what, 23, Andre with 30, Ajo with 36. So five players with 20 or more. Seth Jarvis got his 15th tonight. So there is uh, there is good depth scoring, and now they just have to make sure that the goaltending doesn't sink them. So I was encouraged enough by the last two periods, even though not a ton of work for Antiranta. In terms of shots on goal, 15 shots on goal the last two periods. I mean, it's not quiet, but it was not bothersome either. Um, so hopefully, Ronta can build on a lot of what he did in the first, apart from the two goals, and then everything he did in the second and third periods. And if he can do that, and Carolina can take that into the postseason... Antti Ranta, more than likely, it'll be the Boston Bruins. Uh, Boston has, I'm not going to say come back to earth. Boston is still really good. Uh, they're, they'll, they should be getting healthier. Pasternak should be coming back. Um, they reinforced their team with Hampus Lindholm. I actually think he's been banged up a little bit. Uh, but they should be getting healthy by the time we get to, we'll just say May 2nd, although... Not sure when Carolina's first playoff game is going to be. But right now, it would be Boston. The Rangers and the Penguins would be matched up. Florida and Washington would be matched up. That's going to be an interesting series. Toronto and Tampa Bay, uh, who are playing tonight as we are discussing this. Uh, and Toronto, Tampa was leading 4 nothing to start the third period. It had been getting, it is now, with midway through at the time we're taping this, the Lightning with a 6 one lead. Six to one. Incredible. 
Uh, Alex Kalorn had two goals. Uh, by the way, for the Rangers, Andrew Kopp had a natural hat trick in the first period. Yes, he did. Kopp scored uh, three first period goals. Chris Kreider scored his 51st in the second period. Uh, Ryan Strom, Ryan Reeves finished out the scoring. The Islanders did score three goals. Those are the first three goals the Rangers have allowed since they lost to the Hurricanes. True. That's true. The Hurricanes beat them in New York. And since then, the Rangers pitched three straight shutouts. Gorgiev, Shesterkin, Shesterkin. Gorgiev played tonight. Um, The Rangers, it's going to be a tough out. Uh, real quick, I forget who I had the conversation with, but Andrew Kopp was a guy I wanted Carolina to go after. Last year, I wanted Carolina to go after Sam Bennett. They up, they opted to not pursue either. Neither acquisition would have been prohibitive in terms of draft capital to give up. They opted not. Okay, it's fine. But Sam Bennett, ornery, really good player. Andrew Kopp, who will be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, has been incredible for the Rangers. He's got 21 goals in the season. I It feels like all 21 have come in a Rangers uniform. They haven't. I believe he's got 10 now since the trade deadline for the Rangers. I think he's got 10. It has been absolutely incredible. So the Canes stay uh, even with the Rangers, 108 points apiece. Canes have the edge in regulation wins, 44-43. to 43. Pittsburgh uh, beat Boston today, uh, 4 nothing, I believe. And because of the win uh, by the Penguins, or by, I don't know, well, I guess Carolina by winning uh, did this with four games left, and Pittsburgh's only got four games left, I believe. Uh, the Hurricanes and the Rangers both clinched no worse than Second place. So Carolina or the Rangers will finish first. The other will finish second. If you finish second, uh, Pittsburgh, maybe Washington. Washington has uh, a game in hand, and they're two points back. Uh, Regulation wins if Washington were to win, let's just say, tomorrow in Arizona, because that's when they play. If Washington wins in the desert tomorrow, then Washington, in regulation, Washington would pull even on points and even in regulation wins. Remember, the Capitals still have a game with the Rangers to end the season. So the Rangers close out with Carolina at home, and I think the Capitals uh, in New York as well. So that's a, it's a tough finish for the Rangers. The Rangers also play at Boston on Saturday. So who knows? Maybe the Hurricanes can win the division. I don't know. It really doesn't matter at this point. Uh, chances are you are going to see Boston in the first round of the playoffs, but it could be anybody. It could be Boston. It could be Pittsburgh. could be Washington. I think those are the three real players at this point. My man, Michael Smith, who I was listening to during the intermissions of the Hurricanes Radio Network tonight. Uh, so let's start here, Mr. Smith. What'd you like? Well, first of all, I like the result. <laughs> yeah. 4-2 win. There's not not too much to dislike about that. Um, Beyond that, I liked just the way the Hurricanes stuck with their game because this is one that could have easily gone 
the other way. You know, given just kind of how the first two periods were going, it looked like one of those nights where it was going to be, oh, it's Eric Comrie stealing a game for the Winnipeg Jets. Right. I mean, he's no Marc-Andre Fleury, but we saw Marc-Andre Fleury do that for the Minnesota Wild here a couple weeks ago. Um, but it at the same time, it felt as if the Hurricanes could get one, you know, then they could build on that and the goals would start to come. And that's exactly what happened. It, it, I think it helped that it came late in the period. Those often translate to momentum heading into the next period. And I like that it came on the power play too, because that's something that this team has needed to get going. And they were able to, to do that uh, with uh, Tavo Teravainen's power play goal. Yeah. I think we've seen the power play start to look better over the last couple of games. Uh, the first, the last one, I think Rod talked about it after the game. The last one was trash, uh, but everything else they did on the power play tonight was excellent, and they did need that uh, that goal. Just before I get to that goal, uh, because we have seen, I'm just off the top of my head, Alex Nedeljkovic, Mark Andre Fleury. You can understand that. I mean, the guy's going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not sure Ned is. Uh, the Rangers game here with Georgiev. Uh, the game at Pittsburgh was, I don't know if it was Jari, uh, or DeSmith. I think it was Jari, but Carolina was better, uh, than the Penguins and lost the game. Uh, the Scotch, Scott Wedgwood experience with Dallas. I mean, so we've seen a lot of that. And a lot of times with number two goalies, not that number two goalies can't do that. They're in the NHL for a reason, but this did look that like it was going down that same road until, the brand muffin goal, which I will, I've termed that the laxative <laughs> goal that uh, kind of opened everything up by Tavo Teravainen. Well, yeah. And this is a guy in, in Eric Comrie who, uh, you know, coming into tonight's game had a nine thirty, almost a nine thirty save percentage in his last three outings. So he's been sharp as of late and he was certainly sharp uh, through I mean, through almost 40 minutes, he stopped, what, the, the first 32 shots he faced. Uh, and, and in the first period, I thought, uh, especially on the power play, the Hurricanes were particularly dangerous, especially that first unit. Uh, you know, he made a great save on, on Vincent Trocek, exploding with yeah. that right pad. Um, so for the Hurricanes to finally break through and, and for it to be on the power play, um, you kind of felt like that was going to open the floodgates a bit. And, and that's what it seemed to do because in the third period, it, that team wasn't going to be denied. They, they had momentum, even though they were down 2-1. Uh, and you could kind of tell at that point that this was a team that was going to win the game. Yeah, It, it definitely felt like a matter of time. It was good that the, the equalizer came pretty quickly, but a little, little over four minutes into the period. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of official scoring, like as a baseball fan. Um, and I just did the, a series with State and Boston College, and I had debates on the air with Andrew Sanders, who I was doing the games with, about official scoring for certain plays. I, if I was the official scorer, baseball style, I would have given Jacob Slavin's goal to Andre Svechnikov. To me, he de- yep. he deserved. He did all of the heavy lifting. Not that Slavin did. didn't make a good play, but I, that goal belongs to Andre. He did not. He did not. Uh, I, I think Jacob Slavin might disagree with you there, but 
but yeah, I mean, you're right. It, that, that goal was built on the back of Andre Svechnikov. He puts his shoulder down, makes that power move. Uh, and even though his initial chance goes wide, he retrieves the puck. He's got that, that dogged puck retrieval, uh, regathers the puck, takes another shot, has that shot block still, you know, gets a whack at it and puts it on net. And that allows Jacob Slavin who had pinched down in from, from the point to, to just tap in the rebound. It was uh, certainly just uh, really the, the, the one man work of, of Svechnikov who, um, you know, in a game like this too, the hurricanes need their scorers to kind of lead them. And, and, uh, and find the back of the net offensively. Table Teravina was able to do that in the second. And here, Andrei Svechnikov, even though he's not uh, a part of that 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 top line, um, and and I know Rod Brendamore is if he's listening to this is going to say, well, that's not it's not my top line. It's just a, it's a line. It's one of my four lines. Right. Um, but you know, he was able to uh, to take over the game and take over that shift, uh, and it, it it directly led to a Jacob Slavin goal. Yeah, I mean, I thought Andre was really good pretty much all game long. Um, yep. By the way, if I was going to ask you, what what's the top line? <laughs> well, I'm going to say the Ajo line just because that one goes first in, in when they do line rushes. Okay. And I think <laughs> they, by virtue of that, you know, if we're just going by counting, you know, one, two, three, four, then you know, we have to assign numbers. And so that that's that's my answer. What's the second line? <laughs> <laughs> well, the se- I'm going to say that's the Trocheck line okay. because again, second in the line rushes. Right. But I know it's you know it's it's uh, <laughs> and and I talked with with Dennis about this on the aftermath is um, there's some truth to what Rod says when he when he says he doesn't number his lines because I mean uh, you've seen it he does it, it, in the first period especially he likes to just roll all four lines now. He wasn't really able to do that in tonight's first period because there was a lot of special teams work. Uh, you know, almost half the period was played at special teams. But um, you know, he's he's a coach who who just likes to to find what what line is going, and he'll go back to that. I mean, obviously, you have your your skill players and the, the guys who play power play, and you know the the ones who are relied upon offensively. But uh, I, there is some truth in in, in the fact that. Um, you know, he just, he doesn't, he just has four lines, the Ajo line, the Trotrek line, the, the stall line, the Domi line, and uh, whichever one's going, that's the one he's going to toss over the boards. All right. When you keep, you say, you know, the, the, the scoring line, I think that's the stall line. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm wrong. Well, uh, he's, no, I'm, he's got 17 goals now. Makes, make sense of this for me, Michael. <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't make sense when you look at what uh, the first, uh, I don't know, the 50, 60 games of the season held. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just the case of uh, he's a player who, you know what he brings every night, right? And there are spells that he goes through like he did in the first half of the season where the puck just doesn't find the back of the net, but he's still there's still plenty of other ways he contributes that don't show up on the score sheet. And what Rod Brindamore's found on that, on that, okay, I'm going to call it the third line on the third line with the, you know, him and, and Nino Niederreiter and Jesper Foss. And we saw even Max Domi slide into that spot uh, in the Arizona game and, and find some success there. And I, I think that says a lot about what Niederreiter and Foss bring to that line, that the types of players that they are, um, we know just how hard of a worker Fost is. Uh, 
strong on the forecheck. We know what kind of game Niederreiter can play, that, that power forward type game. And, and again, this season he's found that scoring touch uh, and is over 20 goals. And then you, you slide someone in the middle there, whether it's a Max Domi like the other night in Arizona or a Jordan Stahl who is, uh, you ask anybody in the league and they're going to tell you he's hard to play against. And that just, that makes for a, that makes for a good line. And it's, it's been a consistent line. One of the Canes probably most consistent they've had all season. So I think it's just, it's the inevitable, uh, you know, it's the inevitable outcome of a line. That's just, um, that's just a, a good, reliable line. Yeah, Jordan Stahl, by the way, has 15 goals in his last 33 games. So, <laughs> I mean, I look, I realize two of them, I think two of them, maybe three of them are empty net goals, but Andrei Svechnikov has seven empty net goals this year. Uh, they count, and you and when you work hard, you deserve the cookie uh, every now yeah. and then. But it is incredible that Stahl, since the dam broke, he's been more than just a good offensive player. He's been a great offensive player since the dam broke and he scores a lot of big goals. And I, I tried to joke with him today uh, that maybe it's not stall because you plug Domi in and that line was great in Arizona. So maybe it's not stall. Maybe it's the, maybe it's Nino and Jasper Foss. And it leads me to this. As long as you've been around this team, especially this iteration, the Rod Brindamore iteration of this team, Nino Niederreiter on the ice in you know, f- five on six situations. How often do you think we would have seen that the last few years? Hmm. Uh, like, not much. Right. I yeah. think, I think the evolution of Nino is. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to take Shane, you know, shine away from Jordan or Jesper Faust, but yeah. I think the evolution of Nino is really what makes that line so good because yeah. he plays such a heavy game and he's good on the walls. He's good in front of the net. I, I just want to give Nino as much credit as possible. I think he's played a, he's had a tremendous year. It's when you look at that line, it's three players who are all hard to play against in their own unique ways. I guess Profoss isn't the biggest guy on the ice, but he's going to pester you. When that puck gets deep, he's going to be first in, and he's going to he's going to hound the puck. Nino Niederreiter plays that power forward type game. Can get under opponent's skin too. Yeah, that's a a nice character trait that he brings. And then of course Jordan Stahl is just the big fella. You know, he's yeah. got the size. He's got it's it's hard to knock him off the puck. I mean, that's what you know. Part of what made Kale McCarr's hit on him so remarkable was just uh, you just don't see that happen because he is so big he is so strong um and so that line is just it's three players who are incredibly tough to play against and you know that every time they jump over the boards they're going to make it tough on opponents and eventually that wears opponents down especially you know on a team that at this point in the season is out of the playoffs you get to the point, if you're seeing that line 10, 15, 20 minutes a night, right. you might get to the third period and you're like, okay, you know, that's, <laughs> that's enough for me tonight. <laughs> yeah. And so that, it, that, that line, uh, and you mentioned Nino Nidra, he, he's, he's a huge part of it. And his, his goal scoring touch, 
uh, brings a nice offensive element to that line as well. All right, two more things for you, Michael Smith, and then we'll uh, we'll call it quits for the evening. Uh, the first is uh, your. I want your thoughts on the Seth Jarvis goal, who I, I termed as having two giant vulcanized rubber pucks. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I mean, it was a good goal. Um, I, I get the. The thing with the mask is it's a bang-bang play, right? Like, Brendan Smith's shot hits um, hits Eric Comrie. Jarvis is there battling in front of the net. The helmet pops off. Typically, that's when you see the whistle blown. But you kind of have to let the scoring play, the scoring chance play out. Right. And it does, and it ends up in the back of the net. So, a greasy goal. And you, you know, we've, we've heard it a million times. You have to get to those areas to, to score those goals. And this is a kid, uh, a rookie in the league who is, who is unafraid to get to those areas right. uh, and got rewarded. Yeah. And, um, you know, winning the battle, was it with Josh mm-hmm. Morrissey in front? Yeah, I think so. I mean, no, it wasn't, it wasn't Morrissey. I'm actually just rewatching it now. Uh, it was, uh, whoever AD Schmidt. Uh, oh yeah, Nate Schmidt. It was yep. with Nate Schmidt, uh, yep. but yeah, I mean, look, he's he's willing to go to the top of the crease, uh, mm-hmm. and in, in some ways, I mean, it's not exactly like Jeff Skinner as a rookie. Skinner as a rookie was willing to get to the dirty areas to score. You know, it was only after several concussions and uh, Skinner becoming just really a different player later in his career with Carolina that he stopped really wanting to go there. Um, so hopefully it'll work out where Seth Jarvis will never have those issues and will just get better at what he's doing. But I think well, and, Seth has such a great feel for the game and gets yeah, it. And, yeah, and you've seen him too, not afraid to be physical, not afraid right. to mix it up a little. That's more of those two vulcanized rubber pucks, I think, that you're referencing. <laughs> so we had a brand muffin goal, the the laxative <laughs> goal, and rubber pucks. Uh, and, and then finally, on on to me, a bit of a sobering note. Because one of the themes over the last few weeks, as we talk about the Scott Wedgwoods or uh, Alex Nedeljkovic's of the world, is that Carolina's goaltending wasn't hasn't been as good the last say fifteen or so games on a regular. I mean, obviously there have been some nights where the, the goaltending has been excellent. Uh, But there's been more squirrely, shaky goals scored the last two and a half, three, four weeks than there were in the first four months of the season. And I think they've lost the goaltending battle. Uh, I thought that Ronta could have, should have, maybe not should have had both goals uh, because he couldn't stop the first one, but I didn't understand why he didn't get back into position quicker. I thought the second goal, he was too deep. But I did think he built a game, to use a Trip Tracyism, uh, mm-hmm. in the second and third period, and even made some good stops in the first. But I wonder if that's more of the carryover. But have you th- seen that from the goaltending of late? Well, I think, you know, specifically tonight on that first goal, maybe he overplays the initial play right. a little bit. Pierre-Luc Dubois circling around behind the net. Yeah, and then there's nothing he can do with it basically the easy tap in on the doorstep. The second goal, you're right, probably probably a little deep in his net. Also probably couldn't see right. 
the puck, you know, since it came through Brett Pesci's legs, just an incredible shot too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, I thought, you know, after that he settled in second and third period, didn't see as much work. I don't think in either of those periods, his save, uh, on the two on one chance early in the second period, I think it was in the first five, 10 minutes of that period. Um, you know, was was uh, a big one because if Winnipeg takes a three nothing lead at that point, uh, it could very well be a different game. So um, he settled in tonight. Uh, I do think you know your your larger point about recent goaltending maybe carries some water. Um, I, I think there's also too something to be said about just the the team defense in general, maybe playing a little more loose yeah. than you saw earlier in the season, and and maybe that contributes to. Uh, what we've seen in that, but um, but I think overall, I mean, in, in this last week of the season, it's going to be important for Ranta to dial himself in. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what game Peter Kochekov gets in this weekend, assuming he does get in one. And I yeah. think I nailed that name. You I did. Think I did. You did a very good job. <laughs> I've I've been saying it several different ways. So I'm just going to call him Peter, and I think that'll be that- fine. I think that works. Uh, and then, you know, of course, what's the status of Frederick Anderson? Is, is he, um, is he going to get in a regular season game before the playoffs? If, you know, if he, if he's medically cleared, if he even wants to, does he even need that going into the playoffs? So, you know, I think it's, I think it's valid to, to, to look at it and, and, and feel a little uneasy compared to early on in the season about the goaltending. But, um, but at the same time, I think, too, what you saw tonight was, as you said, Anzi Ranta built a game uh, and was able to come out of it victorious. I think we're going to see Peter Saturday in New Jersey just to give Auntie a little bit of an extra rest, knowing that mm-hmm. there's kind of a longer gap because it's a Sunday afternoon game before the Tuesday night game, um, rather than play him on a day-and-a-half rest with an afternoon game on Saturday. Uh, I think Mm -hmm. we'll see Peter against the Devils. Uh, And, yes, I understand that Jack LaFontaine started the game the last time the Hurricanes were in New Jersey, and that didn't go well. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I believe that Peter uh, Kachetkov is different (laughs) than Jack LaFontaine. Uh, So uh, I actually think we'll see Peter on Saturday and then Ranta on Sunday. And I'm going to guess Ranta again against the Rangers before we see, who knows, uh, if the if the game has to be won Thursday, I think they'll see Ranta again. But yeah. if the game is inconsequential to winning the division, then I think you'll see Kachetkov get another game. And who knows when Freddie, they'll, I think they said they were going to evaluate on Monday, reevaluate on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, you know, hopefully he can come back uh, early in the playoffs, but I'm be, the way I saw him skate off the ice. It's hard to imagine, right? You know, coming back yeah. so quickly because it looked like, oh boy, it looked like that was really bad, like something popped, something tore, and you just don't know. It's I, it's obviously not AC, uh, ACL. They would have said something if it was that ACL. game. But that game went from from bad to worse quickly. <laughs> that game in Denver. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I you hope for the, the you hope for good news in terms of of Freddie Anderson's status and and yeah I think it's going to be early in the week when he gets reevaluated 
obviously you, you hope for him to be ready as soon as he can be in the playoffs. Um, because that's a, that's a huge part of this team. That's a huge part of, of why they're, um, you know, currently leading the, the metropolitan division is when you have a guy putting up Vesna quality numbers, that's, uh, that's the guy you want, you know, starting in net come playoff time. Michael Smith at Michael Smith NC, right on Twitter. That's it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Just uh, not to be confused with the at Michael Smith AZ or at Michael Smith MO on Yeah, uh, I had to. Twitter. There's probably at least one of us in every state, so I had to differentiate it somehow. It works out very well. All right, we'll talk again very soon. I will see you at the rink very soon. Uh, it's playoff time. It's time for me to get to work. I love it. Thanks, AG. All right, before we get out of here, let's just head out in the locker room and hear uh, from Rod Brindamore and uh, the guy with the game-winning goal, Seth Jarvis, and maybe we'll sneak in Jacob Slavin. We'll start with the head coach, uh, who he keeps saying it all along. These are good games. We don't always win them, but we got to do it the right way, and he saw something that he has seen a lot in the past. It's kind of looked familiar game. I mean, uh, we, thankfully, we got a different result. We've had a lot of these the last month where you can't ask for much more. And, you know, just we were, uh, you know, the, the other goalies were playing great against us and it looked like the same thing. And then I think the key was just breaking through there at the end of the second, just to count it now. We're, we're one shot out, not two. And I thought we had a really good third and, you know, definitely deserve that one. Jacob said the theme of your speech tonight was what are you going to do when things go wrong? Can you kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, I hate when I say things and then they come to fruition like that. You know, it was just like, you know, it doesn't always go your way and certainly wasn't, but it was how we responded, right? Like that's the key is just sticking with what we're doing. Kind of got a little scary there at the second, right? Where there's a couple of turnovers in the ozone because just trying to do too much never really works. But, you know, that was uh, that was about all I could say that was kind of iffy for that game. I mean, we, we were good. It seemed all season you were kind of waiting for guys to really mesh and run a fit on the second line. It seemed really promising tonight, though. They had probably the most chances on the team. The what line do you think is the, the second line? The Trocheck line. line. Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, you know, really good, you know, obviously. In third period, I mean, Svesh kind of took over there. I mean, he made a couple, you know, individual plays, which led to goals. And obviously that was a big, big turning point there, too, getting that one in the third right away. Is what there, line do you think is the second line? I don't name number them like that, so I'm glad. To, what do you think? I mean, you guys, That's I see. It's pretty even. Then what's my first line? <laughs> Probably Sebastian. Okay. I love when Rod gets playful with the press. Who is the first line? Yeah, I'm sure it's Aho. But if he said if he told you that the top line was Jordan Stahl's line, would you really argue with him? It's been their best line. It's the one line. We'll just leave it at that. Um, personally, they don't really like Svechnikov isn't a third line player, but right now he's playing on Carolina's third best line. Maybe he makes it their best line. I don't know. Uh, but it was good to see Martin Natchez play well tonight. As for the rookie, the 20 year old Seth Jarvis has been, for the most part, really good. He was noticeable tonight. To me, he was one of the three best players on the ice for the entire game. And as it turns out, they were pretty good. It was nice for the team as a whole. I think we had more than enough chances to, to score. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to wait till kind of near the end of the game like we did. And 
we capitalized and I thought we played a pretty solid game overall and then just get those bounces at the end uh, is nice. Does it ever get old scoring against the old hometown team? Oh, that's so, it's so cool. That was, that was awesome. Uh, that's definitely one of the highlights of my career so far is, uh, is scoring against them. Uh, and that being the game winning goal makes it a little bit sweeter. It has not been a long career, Seth. <laughs> uh, man, awesome stuff. Uh, as for uh, the alternate captain, Jordan, uh, Jacob Slavin, who, again, all, for my money, one of the best players on the ice tonight. He was excellent. Uh, it is all about sticking with it, really. Throughout his pregame speech uh, before the game today was, uh, uh, what are you going to do after bad things happen? And so, uh, I mean, not off to a great start, but like you said, stick with it. And um, it just teaches resiliency. And uh, I mean, that's, that's what you need, especially going into the playoffs. So the more we can get that, uh, the better better chances we have. Is that a pass or is that a shot on your goal? Oh, it was a shot. It was just no raises. <laughs> no raises. It was a shot, though. All right, it's time to get out of here. We're brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. If it's for the exterior of your home, you can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. There is no place like it. Sammy Hanna and his crew do a great job. So if you need roofing or siding or entry doors or storm doors or gutter, gutter helmets or windows, they've got it all. AluminumCompany.com. Free no obligation estimate online. AluminumCompany.com. Follow the Kane's Corner Podcast wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating and a review uh, if you want. And uh, just follow it, because then it shows up automatically in your phone or wherever you get your podcast. And that is the goal. Enjoy it. Uh, real quick, quick note. Two big games this weekend. Uh, and uh, we're going to do a little something a little bit different with the uh, morning after podcast. We'll briefly touch on the game, but we're going to do more big picture stuff about the team after both of these games after the Devils game and after the Islanders game. Uh, and more than likely, there will be just the one uh, real game-related podcast after the Islanders game heading into the Rangers game. More big-picture league stuff, probably, uh, after the Devils game. Just so you know, and it won't be a traditional morning-after podcast for each of those games. Until... We talk after the Devils and the Canes. I'm Adam Bye. This has been the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold, presented by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. You can listen to this podcast at WRALsportsband.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you unhappy with your CPAP provider? Did you know you can easily switch providers right now? I'm Megan Giggling, General Manager of Parkway Seatpal Centers. We are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Contact us today. We ship anywhere in North Carolina. If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.